The Oscars are fake. The Oscars are... Did you know it's fake, Joel? I've been told the Oscars are fake. (laughs) Not like wrestling, which is real. 100%. Still real. Still honest. Never lied to you. Never taken you to to a point where you can feel like you've been tricked. Not no, like certainly. Those Oscars, they'll take you on a ride. They'll tell you they're your best friend, but then next thing you know, no, ain't nobody watching the Oscars. No. Ridiculous. How are Nobody's you, Joel? watching the Oscars. I, I'm good. I, I'm here. Every Yeah, everything is fake. Everything is fake, but I'm good. Uh, I just uh, spent the last half hour making sure that my child didn't... Uh, find himself unable to sleep but he's asleep so i can't complain that's and great for you yeah no i'll take it and uh we're, we're doing okay how uh how are you doing kate how are you doing chats more importantly kate's okay wow well other than having someone to answer for me on how i'm doing as we no, i've had kind of a not like a bad but a very weird 24 hours and the, just like the most lazy needed lazy weekend ever but living my life had a delicious brunch. There was a St. Patrick's Day parade outside today. Doing, doing life. You know, St. Patrick's Day is next week, right? Yes, but it's a Friday. So I guess some towns celebrate it before and others don't for the great state of New Jersey. Probably because if you drive like a mile and a half, you're in a new county in New Jersey. So, um, I, I think they try and like spread them out. So this weekend was ours. Um, <laughs> it, it was annoying to get to my parade route, but or like to get through the parade route to my brunch because it was within walking distance. But I was like, oh no, this restaurant's going to be mobbed. It wasn't, Joel. All the suckers were watching on the street and I was just eating my delicious huevos rancheros inside. Oh, I also in, had a, a I had I had a, a huevos rancheros type of thing this morning. You did? I did. Made eggs, had tortillas, had salsa and some cheese. Didn't have any sour cream at the time, but still just when you when you put eggs and cheese and salsa in a wrap, that's that's essentially huevos rancheros, right? Like It is it is for white people at least. For <laughs> white guy huevos rancheros. I get it. We won't talk about how it's uh, my my not my abuelas, but my my partner's abuelas ninetieth uh, birthday coming up. So, <laughs> and how super white that makes. Us. <laughs> oh. I like people in the chat. It's not that I need lights; it's that I need a working webcam. My other one, I guess, there's a weird connector thing going on because I can either have functioning internet or a functioning rest of my setup but i'm working on it i'm working on it we installed some good shit today so oh exciting um, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it i'm looking I'm, forward to this show as am i i've been looking forward to this all day joel this is what we do we we come around and we do the thumbs up and we talk about the wrestling and we get to you know comment and like i said chats here and if you're watching after the fact on fightful over books don't forget to uh not only hit that Thumbs up, but also uh, leave a comment after the fact. Just say, hey, that's good enough for me. And subscribe to us here at Fightful Overbooked. If you're in the situation to do so financially, or if you just want to steal Kate's credit card information, donate a super chat and uh, support us here at Fightful Overbooked because 
Kate doesn't need money. She just needs you to give us money, which inevitably doesn't pay her anyway. And Fightful Overbooked, we have a Discord channel. There's a link in the description. It's free. Free 99 is Kate's favorite favorite number, right? Okay, I do need money, and I'm working hard to get a sponsor. So that's why I'm drinking a Sprite Zero on air. Because Ray Wyatt walked in Cosmic Bowling so that we could run (laughs) and podcast purple and orange globs. And I I think it's nice. Did you see (laughs) the photo that I posted yesterday or two days ago? It was the Macho Man when he was WWF champion being presented or presenting the WWF Mountain Dew Tag Team Championships. I did not see that. I have you muted. No, I'm just kidding. No, I get it. I would too. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. I can't, I can't be upset about it. No, that. no, no, no. I say that for the bit. But I didn't see the picture for real. I want to see if I still have it or otherwise I may have. Oh, here it is. So yeah, so there's a photo out there. This is from, God, I don't know when that is. It's got to be from. Oh my gosh, early- just like my picture. That, uh, yeah, that, that gal. Would, <laughs> you should know. But anyway, uh, I, it, it <laughs> appears that the lore of Pitch Black and Mountain Dew in the WWE runs goes far deep. back. Runs deep, man. They should bring that title back. They should. I want no. I want Uncle Howdy and Bray Wyatt to win the WWE Mountain Dew Pitch Black Tag Team Championships at WrestleMania. I like it. Um, and the muscle man dance can be the Mountain Dew muscle man dance. Yes. It'll oh be my like a whole God. thing. And, and maybe Mercury and, um, uh, and Nitro and Melina can come back and we'll have the M&M, triple M, <laughs> M, D, M, T, N, D, E, W, whatever. We're going to have all the titles, right? This is what we're doing. Corporate synergy. That's right. We're trying to make things as synergetic as we can. Look, if you're trying to get the $9 billion price point to sell this thing, you gotta, you gotta get some of those sponsors on board. (laughs) Or just make Raven the champion. Apparently if he does, he brings all the people out. That's what I've been told. Yeah. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about some professional wrestling. Since we're talking about uh, our hatred of the Oscars and since Roman Reigns isn't going to be winning one this year. Upsetting. Maybe next year. What do we, do we want to start with the, uh, the, the Bloodline and the uh, Sami Zayn, Cody Rhodes, KO Saga. I know you've probably talked it to death with others. Well, no. Um, I mean, yes, but also only once in the past three days. So there, <laughs> there's that. Only um, once? I know, because I only had the Friday post show. I had a whole day off yesterday. Uh, but I, I feel kind of medium about it. I, I felt for a while that, like, this is good, but it wasn't going to live up to the Sammy story. And that's fine. That doesn't mean this is going to be bad. It just means that they could have done something, I think, a little bit cooler. But I didn't really love Jay's promo on Friday for different reasons. Like, Sammy stuff aside, I just felt like he he kind of was like, I didn't want to have to do it. And I'm like, well, Monday, you sure as shit looked like you wanted to do it. Um, and it's like, I didn't have a choice. I was kind of like, you literally had a choice right then and there. Um, I did appreciate that he said it was because of Jimmy, not Roman, that he came back for. So pivoting it to the brother storyline, I think, was really, really important. But the rest of it, I almost felt like the promo Jimmy gave a couple weeks ago would have been better suited for this moment. Um 
talking about how Sammy was the one that betrayed them and he didn't know what family means because he's not actually part of the family. Like that being Jay's impetus for coming back would have felt stronger to me. Definitely didn't think any of this is like bad. I just felt like Jay's been such a focal point that I have really, really high expectations of what he's kind of delivering now. And this just, it felt a little bit flat to me, but um, we're headed, you know, tumbling down the mountain and I'm just a little burnt out on the like, my God, Cody saving everybody in his business wear stuff. <laughs> like he took off his jacket and he ran off three of the most badass Samoans in the world. Like doesn't doesn't really read for me. But I can't say it's it's bad by any means. Like I don't I don't think it's fundamentally bad storytelling or wrestling. It just feels like from where they were at Royal Rumble, this is for me kind of medium. Yeah, I can, I can, I can understand the point. I can, I can also, you know, I, I bring this all back to the conversation you and I had weeks ago when we were talking about Sammy and Montreal and where, or how you get to the Usos and Sammy and KO or the, just the general turn from Jay to Sammy. And I said, it's all about sibling rivalry. It's all about brotherhood. It's all about belonging and at the same time, Roman is the ultimate gaslighter, has been the whole time. The island of relevancy literally runs on gaslight. There is nothing else that, that fuels that place. And uh, Jay was like, I wasn't going to let my brother be pushed around by Roman Reigns anymore. And I think he understood that in choosing his brother, he wasn't choosing Roman, but he was choosing to protect his brother like his brother protected him so long ago when he came back from injury. This is, again, this is now just like you're, you're trying to connect dots that, that WWE probably isn't going to connect. But if you just think about the the arc of several years of Bloodline, they're still brothers. They're, like it's pretty, It's a pretty easy story to tell that like y- you're probably going to side with your blood, your, your sibling – when faced with the option of your sibling being, you know, beat up. We've all, those of us who have siblings who maybe we're close with, like we've all been there, right? Sure. If they had said that instead of what they said, I think that would have been better. Like, I don't, I didn't, it didn't feel insinuated to me. Like it, it was just weird. He kept harping on how like he didn't want to have to do it to Sammy, which felt just so different than what we got on Monday. And I know you can't write out, say, you can't write outside. You can't outright say, um, I came back in spite of Roman because it's not going to be Roman versus Jay, right? But at the same time, it didn't really feel like it was about coming back to Jimmy either. Like it felt, I don't know, it, it, it felt really disconnected to me. Um, I, I like what you, if they had said what you said in a promo, I probably would have liked it a little bit better. <laughs> And it's entirely possible that that something got lost in translation. When it did just feel speak. clunkier. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, it did feel clunkier. On I get that. That's, that's kind of why, like, honestly, sometimes during promos, I'm just kind of like, oh, I'm going to pick and choose what we're saying here because uh, something might have just, been, again, been lost in translation or just lost in, in delivery because we see that often. Sometimes uh, wrestlers aren't the best actors, but Roman Reigns deserves an Oscar, right? Well, Joel, this is cinema. I don't know if you know. <laughs> Well, so are the Oscars. It's about cinema. Cinema. (laughs) Flashes across the screen, ready for all of us. I do agree that having 
Cody be the mediator is a little heavy-handed. It's corny. <laughs> it's a little corny. And I'm just like, he comes out and he's wearing that long tweed jacket like he's about to deliver a stump speech on a campaign trail in 2043. And like, it's fine. It's it's just like, and then he's got to take all that stuff off so he can fight the brothers. And it's like, nah, you don't have to do that. Just take the jacket off and go fight. But it is a little strange. However, in the background on Monday Night Raw, we saw that, um, and this is something that that Paul Triple H has been trying to do more of, which is stuff in the back suddenly means something. And I can appreciate it because other companies have done that as well. Um, he oh, had, I love that because it makes it feel like a real workplace. Like, yeah. It's not just like, hello, person in this empty, enormous, cavernous hallway. Can I talk to you for an interview? Like, I, I love that. I love the natural setting. <laughs> I hate having to pay attention to those things because I have three screens in front of me that I can be paying attention to that aren't Monday Night Raw. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> that being said, uh, we saw Cody kind of reasoning with it with his hands you, you didn't know what he was saying but just it, it gave the effect that he was trying to reason with kevin owens and ko was just like nah nah forget you go away go away uh which was exactly what's been going on with sammy and uh ko the whole time sammy's been trying to make amends with ko and ko's just like no 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 lone wolf i'm i'm better than baron corbin but go away so what do you, what do you think i mean listen other than the cody's heavy handing and there's gonna be friendship amongst everybody uh how do we get there? How do we get to the KO Sammy thing, knowing that KO is suddenly being spoken to by Cody and Cody's coming out and consoling Sammy at the end of SmackDown or at the end of Raw? Like, what, what do we think? I mean, I, it's it's really, <laughs> it's so corny to me that Cody is mediator and healer of broken relationships. Um, I wish Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn we're just going to come to this conclusion on their own. I feel like it would have been a cleaner story and Cody and Roman should have had more than one interaction by now. I feel like to, to kind of build like it, it feels now a little bit too convoluted. The stuff with Heyman though has been gangbusters. Like the promo that Heyman gave on Friday was phenomenal. Um, he's just so damn good at this really, really strong stuff. But I just feel like it just reads as very John Cena nexus-y to me when he's like, I'm going to be in this spot and I'm going to be in this spot and I'm going to be in this spot. And also not really doing anything. He's just like coming out, his theme hits and takes off his jacket. And because there's no title on Raw, it does feel a little like, why am I watching Raw and SmackDown when so much of it's like copy? The most important story in the company, at least, is copy and pasted into both programs and delivered the same way. It's like stuff. Cody runs out and nothing really happens except people run off. So um, in this case, there was a brawl, but I I don't know. It it feels, it feels to me like with the bloodline, I've said it this way a couple times, like they had like eight different options coming out of Royal Rumble. And this to me is like the sixth best one they could have chosen. And it's a testament to the story that they've told that this isn't, bad like it's pretty damn good but i feel like they could have they left so much juice on the table juice on the table they just left so much juice on the table you're, you're batting a thousand with these things tonight you're just doing you're doing great <laughs> very long couple weeks <laughs> they just they left so much juice on the table you're a dad you know like a little kid oh i know i comes know and knocks over the juice and 
there's just so much of it on the table that they had to clean up. So um, I, I definitely don't think it's terrible. I just, this Cody mediator thing <sighs> feels cheesy, but also like he won rumble and they have nothing else to build with. So like, what are you going to do? I guess. What are you going to do brother? <laughs> oh, not that guy. Not him. <laughs> I do think it'd be interesting to bring up the, the storied past of Cody and the Bucks and KO and Sami Zayn had to cough. And uh, there's, there's an opportunity there for, for Kevin and Sammy to be like, when we were going to sign or Cody to be like, you know, when you thought about signing elsewhere, we talked about, you know, brotherhood and we talked about coming together and wanting to be part of WW, whatever it could be. Which, by the way, if Cody were to be like, you should stay at WWE because I love WWE. If he does that promo, I will laugh my ass off. Yeah, no, that'll get gross. I would absolutely love it. There are people who will have field days calling Cody a hypocrite, and I will laugh and just... I mean, he's already pirating AEW, so... okay. So cheesy. Oh my gosh. I'm not I'm not paying for the AEW product. <laughs> Come on. I want to be like, were you ever? That's a good question. That's I mean, question. listen, I assume at one point it was an investment. I hope so. I hope so, but at least I hope Cody Rhodes at least gets a free promo code to this day so he doesn't have to enter one of the Twitter contests for Fight TV. That's actually <laughs> I, that's actually really funny. I'm thinking to myself like why would you why would you say you pirated it when you like I don't know he, he's the best liar in the business according to Brian Danielson but I just I have so many questions about that pirating a pay-per-view from Cody Rhodes was I he, sincerely think he said it so that people aren't like I wonder if he's paying like that people in WWE world would be like he's paying for the AEW product while he's contracted here cuz why would you go out of your way to say why you is weird I think maybe he wanted to pop somebody that we like. There's a story that we don't know about. I think he was just trying to pop somebody. I'll take it. Cause that just, I, the, idea, <laughs> the idea of Cody just being like, yeah, I ain't paying for the pay-per-view. I just wanted to watch Jericho and Starks <laughs> after the whole, like Starks coming to the rumble thing. I think that was just him having a little fun and everyone just getting weird on it. Uh, it's he's secretly like a CM Punk stand and he's like, I'm not paying until he comes back. Yeah. <laughs> He called he called Phil just being like, Hey, it's tonight the night. I'm on fight. I just want to make sure before I enter my credit card info. Is it no, you? Not tonight. Okay. I want you to have that buy, buddy. I want it to be you. Right. In the buy field, I want it to say CM Punk. That's right. Yeah, I, want, I want you to get the it's like going to well, not Best Buy because they don't do the commission thing, but it's like going to your favorite commission store, be like, Oh, and who helped you today? Oh, it was CM Punk over there. Oh, Please give him all the money. Are you you've been in bands, you know? Who did you come to see today? Yeah, I came I came for the the opening act. And I'm real proud of it. But in this case, it's just CM Punk. Yep. Yeah. Well, in this case, those. he pirated for the opening act, which was Ricky Starks. Evidently, yeah. My God. <laughs> so so Cody will not be able to afford AEW pay per views when he holds the WWE championships. That's I guess I not. He's making like three million a year or whatever. Feels not enough. I don't know. He's got some budgeting issues if he's firing pay-per-views. I mean, I can tell you firsthand, having a kid, you got to you got to be able to sure. you, know, you got to budget correctly. I don't have the money Cody has. I mean, but 
NordVPN.com code Fightful, man. You could have made it cheaper for himself. If they want to sponsor Overbook, they can. Until then, they ain't got me on the payroll. I'll talk about you guys tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, God. What else happened on Raw that was, like, noteworthy or at least worth talking about? I mean, on SmackDown, I can tell you kind of nothing else except the Drew and Sheamus ending. Raw feels like it was six years ago, so I can't pull that off the top of my head because I don't have the Will Washington thing of back in 2001. <laughs> yeah, I can do that sometimes, but not not tonight. Not with the three-hour program. I'm very excited about the Drew and Sheamus stuff. I, I think that will end up being my favorite WrestleMania match, assuming that goes the way of a triple threat. Yeah, so, so they do the Fatal Five-Way. Uh, Woods and Ellie and I get pinned by the aforementioned Sheamus and Drew. And they're basically Adam Pierce is confronted by Gunther, and Gunther's just like, "No, I said one on one." And Adam Pierce is just like, "Yes, sir." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now they're gonna do, they'll do one on one next week on SmackDown. It's gonna be Sheamus versus Drew. Uh, so, what's the disqualification that leads to a triple threat anyway? Is it gonna I be? I hope it's a shillelagh. A shillelagh <laughs> 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 comes out, and Hornswoggle will come out, and it's just a whole shit show. It's St. Patrick's Day on Friday. It'll be perfect. Oh my God! Make it the Irish pub brawl. Well, they did. Didn't they do that shillelagh match? Uh, what was that? Was that last St. Patrick's Day? They've done. They've done some sort of Irish gimmicky show. I'm pretty sure it was like a. Shillelagh slam or something, well, and it was really good. That was the thing because they did the the Viking pirate ship match, which ended up being really good despite how gimmicky it was. And they did the Shillelagh match, like not that far apart from each other, if I remember correctly. Oh, the um, good old fashioned Irish Donnybrook. The Irish Donnybrook match—that's what it was. But it was like a instead of kendo sticks. They were using chalet Yeah, that's obscene, and I love it. Oh. Um, how do, so, yeah, how do we get to the triple threat that is definitely going to be a triple threat after Friday's not a triple threat? I think a, a double countout would be good. Like, they're such huge guys, just like a Mack truck collision where they both knock each other out. I think it would be fun. I think it would be fun for the story as well of just, like, these guys are super evenly matched. They hit each other real hard because it's getting real personal. Um, but I, I'm assuming it's going to the triple threat way or maybe someone wins and somebody sneaks back into, that's always a thing of like Seamus just making his way into that match anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I feel like a double count out. What do you think? I think Vince McMahon comes out the week after Drew wins and with his mustache and his Gomez Adams hair says, we need Seamus. And out comes Seamus, and they make it a triple threat. No, I think that either they do the double countout, which is a really good idea because it should be that they both hit each other at the same time with something, and they just knock each other senseless, and they're out. And then Gunter comes out, and he's just like, nah, that just means they both suck, and nobody gets to face me. And then Adam Pierce is just like, or maybe it means that they beat each other so badly for this opportunity that they both deserve it. So, you know, triple threat. And then Gunter's just like, well, this isn't very hilling, so uh, let's do it anyway. And that's how he overcomes this at WrestleMania. Option two is... I don't even know. There's no... Like, Imperium gets involved and costs both of them the match. And then Gunter's like, change of hearts. I want both. But I, I don't really anticipate that. 
you might get a can they coexist thing to be um <laughs> excuse me that was violent Damn. no mute buttons for kate i know i was gonna mute but then i thought it wasn't happening and then it's it was violent um <laughs> you could do a can they go coexist to be um giovanni vinci and i always forget ludwig kaiser not marcel bartel um but I feel like you would have done that first because now they really shouldn't be able to coexist. And the story of them breaking down wouldn't serve that. So yeah, I think it's got to be a, a double count out. Otherwise, I think Drew wins and, and Seamus has to fight his way back in, not the other way around. Yeah, I could see that. I, I just, I think it's more likely they do a double count out. Just thinking it through, like what makes the most sense? Because this, this whole match is being built on the idea that all three men are going to beat the shit out of each other. So why not have the first two beat the shit out of each other? Yep. You yep. Know? And I really liked the story too. Even their like backstage squabble that we got on SmackDown, you could hear Drew say a couple things that I really liked. One was he was like that Claymore saved your life or something like that. Because the way the double pin got set up, that was kind of true. The only thing I didn't like about that ending was, Xavier Woods kind of flew right into that bro kick like a little too obviously but um and then the other thing he said was like we should be fighting and getting a beer right now which I love that that's Drew's mentality is that like this ain't personal you just had your shots and lost where for Sheamus this is this is the thing he's been chasing it's this icy title it's the last kind of piece of the pie here so um I just loved in a in a segment where people are usually just mumbling BS. Like there were a few things audibly I could hear Drew say that felt perfectly suited to the story. And could now, imagine, sorry, I, could you imagine Drew singing a Claymore saved my life tonight? <laughs> Better than American Pie with Tyson Fury. I would take. <laughs> it's a low bar, but we just cleared it. Here we go. We cleared the bar. Um, and when you mentioned Vince's mustache, that made me remember why we couldn't remember anything from Monday because it was mustache mania on Monday. <laughs> I, Ella J and I spent like a good 15 minutes on the run sheet. By the way, check out the run sheet with Ella J and myself. Not a fightful property, but it's what her and I are doing when we want to talk shit. Anyway, go check out the run sheet pod. That's what we do. But no, we, we talked a lot about that because you're right. On Monday, the big conversation was... John Cena's there, but so is the other guy with a caterpillar on his lip. Mm-hmm. And, and the dyed hair, apparently. It sounds like he was walking out of a Just for Men commercial. So I would love to see that photo. Everyone is just I'm pissed. Listen, uh, somebody back there should have snitched. Okay. Somebody. Somebody who's annoyed that he's there. Somebody who's grossed out that he's there. Somebody who thinks the Saudi Arabia thing is going to happen and isn't happy about it and doesn't really have anything to lose. Somebody should have taken that picture and snitched. All right. No other scoop matters, but the Vince's mustache and dyed hair scoop. Mia Yim has been doing these, these TikTok videos, or at least these Instagram videos where she's mimicking her fellow female coworkers and the way that they walk. Have you seen these? You've seen I them. have seen these. Yes. They're excellent. I need, need, capital N, double E-D, her to do a, this is how my boss looks when he comes to work in Boston on a Monday. Ooh, yep. Yeah. Yep, that's the move. Do the whole, the, the hair, and just get the, get the cap, do the mustache, do it. Come on, Mia. 
Get it done, Miriam. Get do it, it done. Do it for Sean. Do it for Sean. Don't do it for Sean. Do it for us. That's right. Yeah, I, Sean. See, I see a couple of people uh, positing ideas for this Drew and Seamus match. The idea of doing they both pin each other with one arm when they knock each other out. I don't hate that one. Do the double pin. Uh, or they brawl before the match starts and they kind of just count out the match. Double DQ finish. Double DQ before it even starts. They throw the match out and then Gunter is like, oh, forget this. I'm going to beat both their asses because they don't respect the ring. So I will teach them the ring respect and it is sacred. It's not That's bad. the one I like the least and the one they'll probably do. Just for you. That's what they'll do. Joel, where does Matt get Moss fit into this? I guess is the real question. Uh, he gets the SummerSlam Intercontinental Championship main event title shot. Oh, you don't think you don't think Drew wins and Sheamus chases? You think Madcap Moss dethrones Drew at, or do you think just Gunther retains? And I feel like Madcap should be dethroning Gunther, right? Like if we're gonna give Madcap the moment, let's give him the moment. The moment in Detroit. And then he becomes Ford Moss. He is completely <laughs> sponsored by the Ford company. Gets a new car. His his gear looks like he's driving a Mustang. So just give him the whole gimmick. Who needs Madcap when you can be Ford Moss? But it's like it's silver and blue Detroit Lions colors. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the 2023 Ford Moss. I love it. Uh, Ford Moss. The Ford Moss. Uh, what do you think of Rey Mysterio being the first inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2023? Oh, I love it. I, I love um, Dominic Angle that they'll do a side of an active wrestler who deserves to go in. Like, who more than that guy? I'm, I'm so happy about that. Um, I don't want to speak to what it means to anybody who's Hispanic, but like listen to Alex Cardoza, listen to Denise Salcedo, listen to Hispanic voices, talk about um, what he's done for Hispanic representation on, on WWE television, but also just one of the best workers ever to do it. Um, him and Eddie at Halloween Havoc is my go-to match whenever I'm like, I got to throw something on. <laughs> That's my go-to because it's amazing every time. Um, no deserving uh wrestler and i don't know if there's anybody who's withstood like a test of time as well as him in, in that way it's really really incredible as if you're watching this you probably know i'm like the world's biggest cm punk nerd and he always said about ray like if there was anyone that you could get in the ring with and you didn't you didn't have a chance to say a single word to them before a match he was like i could go out there with that guy and put out a banger no problem like just that um, his in-ring communication as an opponent is so unbelievable that he makes it so, so easy to work with him. So awesome, awesome thing. I'm really nervous they're going to have some shitty angle with Dom ruin the moment. But I, I think as far as anybody who deserves it, who, who more than that guy? My God. The last time they did a Hall of Fame angle would have been Hogan. We just, I was trying to talk about that with uh, Pulowski a little bit. We were trying to think of the last one, and that was the best we could come up with of like an a, a scripted angle. And, and it was like he was wrestling the next night. Yeah, WrestleMania nineteen. It was the the Hogan Vince McMahon match, and Roddy Piper came back. Which you know, God bless Roddy Roddy Piper. But uh, and everyone else in that match go to hell. But the point is, that was probably <laughs> the last time where the Hall of Fame 
kind of played into kayfabe because they they didn't really do that or at least played into an angle leading into a wrestlemania match because they had they, they stayed away from that for so long that's why i don't really hate that they're doing it um everyone now knows the hall of fame is not a physical place in fact uh with them moving to a new office space in wwe in connecticut um do you know where the hall of fame physically was for the longest time i do not it was in the elevators at titan tower one of the elevators had the list of all the hall of fame it was just a list that's so corny (laughs) It was like maybe some plaques, but like that's where the hall that's where the physical hall of fame was kept. There was no there was nowhere else. And now that they're moving offices, they're not investing in a physical hall of fame in the new office because that's kind of corny. They're not bringing people in to go look at this, you know, the space. It's not a public space. It's oh. so weird that they had an entire restaurant with artifacts and they didn't just say, let's just put it in a space. It they had two. They had two. They had WWF New York, and they had the Niagara Falls uh, store. And they just didn't think, "Hey, let's put it in a hall in Ohio somewhere or whatever." Like that's so weird. It's just not a thing. I don't know. And and that's the thing. They could probably do really well, especially if like I don't know if they if they had done a deal with Disney to put the hundred percent. Are you kidding? Put it put it in Universal Studios. Put it in the film Dark. Put it in that studio room. That's good <laughs> FU right there. Who needs it? TNA Impact was here for X amount of time. AEW Dark and Ring of Honor filmed here X amount of times. Now, the WWE Hall of Fame, 24-7 access. There you go. That being said, I don't hate it. I, the Dom and Ray stuff is eventually going to boil over, and it's not so bad. And I do enjoy the fact that Legado de Fantasma is also becoming a part of it, especially Santos Escobar, because you mentioned oh. that 97 match at Halloween Havoc between Eddie and Ray. And I think a lot of people don't know or don't maybe they don't remember that Santos Escobar borrowed from Rey Mysterio's gear from that match. And he's always been a huge Rey Mysterio fan, but this is kind of playing back to that respect that he has for him and that obviously Rey has for Santos Escobar. Like there's there's a good amount of lucha storytelling that's going on that I really appreciate. And on top of that, the Dom storyline, I know that maybe you're not as big on it as other people are for whatever reasons. But for me, like the father and son aspect of this is going to get more entertaining before it gets worse. And again, in my opinion. Sure. And I, I understand, too, that like I'm in the minority of that. Um, people are really into it. I, I feel like a lot of people are. And it's not the creative that I've had a problem with. It's... Um, some of Dom's inability to execute on some of that creative, which is why the Hall of Fame thing makes me a little nervous. And also, he's not like quite there in the ring yet, so I'm not looking forward to the match because the place this is all supposed to blow off, I don't think he's going to be able to necessarily deliver on. You bring up a good point about Santos Escobar, though, because that guy, to me, is like such a golden opportunity of a star right in front of you. Happy to see him face. Like we've mostly only seen him heal and he's so cool that I didn't know like how I'd feel about face him, but like, I, I like cheering for him. So I got no complaints and he's man. I really hope they don't mess it up with him because he's just, he's so good at every aspect of this. Um, even in kind of their, I don't want to say throwaway match, but certainly not high stakes match that they had on Friday. I was like, God, he just does so many things right as a wrestler. And um, 
you know, on, on Fridays, I love talking to Alex Cardoza about it because he's like, I love Eddie Guerrero and all the Eddie tributes. He was like, can we get a new Hispanic star outside of Ray or Eddie? Um, can you not chew my blue light glasses? Thanks, big girl. Um, <laughs> but he was like, there's so many, there's so much potential out there to make a new Latin star. And like, not everybody has to do a three amigos, right? Like, like it would be nice to see them make a new star. And I feel like Santos Escobar... Santos Escobar and Andrade are the two that felt primed for that more than anybody that I can recall off the top of my head on American mainstream television. Um, that certainly doesn't mean there's not more with the potential, but when you think of like full package Hispanic wrestlers, Santos Escobar and Andrade, man. Whew. I said this in several places and I've said it several times. Santos Escobar is the right guy to and I used to say your next breakout Latino star, but honestly, he's beyond that. He his, his yes, his Spanish is great, his English is great. He has a great look. When he came to WWE, uh, he took some time off for a little bit and ended up cutting quite a lot of weight and putting getting into great shape. He clearly wants this. He's clearly driven. He comes from a family of luchadors that you know, have had a, a history in of themselves, not in WWE, but at least, you know, in wrestling, there's, there's huge opportunity there. And I think they're trying to prime him for that. And I, I can't think of anyone else who, uh, who deserves it more than him as long as the story continues to play out the right way. Yeah. I think he's to kind of what you were saying. He's a superstar who is Hispanic. He's not like, Yes. The next Hispanic superstar for sure. And I was hoping when Legato called up, we would be getting like, we were kind of having all these stables emerge, right? Like the bloodline versus Legato could have been great. The um, Legato versus Imperium still could be great. There's so many like possible three on three feuds you can do, but I do also feel like Santos is, and no disrespect to, to the rest of that faction, but like, Santos is just kind of the way Swerve was with Hit Row, where you're like, this whole thing rules, but man, that guy is like such, such money. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I don't hate this in the chat, talking about doing mask versus hair for Dom versus mm-hmm. Especially like Dom's got that. Dominic's growing out that mullety, ugly thing. It could be a lot of fun to watch Ray shave Dominic's head. And for Dominic afterwards to play it off as like, this is worse than prison. Yeah, he the eye roll says it all and I'm all about it. Oh, gross. I actually, um, I if they're not going to renew Vicky Guerrero's contract in AEW, I feel like they should let her out of it early so she can go be a part of this. I, I think it would be really special and fun. Um Somebody kind of had jokingly said in our Tuesday chat, and Alex and I were both like, no, we actually both really liked the idea would be to have her come out in Eddie's lowrider with Dom and Rhea would be like such a fun, fun idea. Um, because again, like a, it's more the execution. This is a rare situation where I feel like the creative's outpacing the execution. Normally I feel like my issues are the other way around. Um, but I, I think she could really add a lot to that moment that they've been building toward for better or for worse. They've been building toward it for a while now. So that would just be a really fun thing to add in. Especially because uh, Vicky wore that mommy shirt at full yeah. year a few months ago. 
I, I think, listen, I think that'd be a lot of fun. That's a good idea, but we'll see. We'll see what they do with that. Uh, I, I like it. And, and I'm excited for Rey Mysterio. I think it's well-deserved for him to be in the Hall of Fame. Definitely took a lot of people by surprise because a lot of talk about Dave Batista, a lot of talk about earlier that day on Friday, uh, maybe it was going to be, um, oh my God, I just I had it in the Luda. Yeah, great. great Luda. Luda. Thank you. I was like, I see the mask. I see the mist. <laughs> the, the name came out just like my brain. Uh, yeah, so great. Muda would have been a great, option but i don't think he should have been the first name called i think ray mysterio was the right the right one that's fair that's fair i think it's very possible muda's still going in especially because they let shinsuke go and, and work that match i was like 100%. of course that's gonna be hall of fame fodder yeah 100 <laughs> percent. uh i was happy to see shotzi i was i i mean i love shotzi i'm a big fan um it's her birthday this coming week so wish her a happy birthday then when it comes around birthday shotzi yeah, she had a good match with Charlotte. It was fine. They, listen, got enough time. It worked. She took a high German suplex that almost knocked her TF out. Luckily, she's fine. But uh, yeah, Charlotte gets the win. Just a quick little in and out, 10 minutes, whatever. Uh, but really, what comes afterwards, Rhea Ripley had shown up, and they kind of have a promo off. It felt a little weird to me. What do you think of the uh, the promo with Charlotte and Rhea Ripley? A little different than uh, Dom and Charlotte doing their thing. Uh, I haven't really loved i feel like so many people are excited for wrestlemania and i hate to be a curmudgeon but like i haven't really liked the build all that much and these are this kind of falls into that category like i felt like it was weird that Rhea just came down and stood and was watching shotzi and charlotte especially that match felt a little stilted to me like it pulled together middle to the end but it started really clunky and slow um and then Rhea was just watching and then in their promo I don't know. I think people really want to cheer for Rhea and are mixed on Charlotte. So it's, it's a little bit off just in general of what they're giving to you. And then on top of that, they've acknowledged that Rhea has progressed a lot. And I like Charlotte saying like, I have too. And I already started as the best in the world. Like that all made sense to me, but they haven't really dug into their history, which at this point is pretty extensive. <laughs> like I I'm waiting for them to get into the juice of their history because there's a lot of it to play into. And it's not that long ago. Like if you're going to do this kind of how much have you progressed storyline, like you could very easily have Charlotte be like, it wasn't that long ago that I was beating her ass. Like <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of untapped stuff there. And I also just feel like the feuds are reversed. Like, I feel like Kana Asuka should be coming to get vengeance on Charlotte from five years ago when she snapped the streak and we should be getting a Rhea and Bianca. The future is now kind of set up, but for what they're presenting us, I still feel like they haven't really moved this forward. I was glad to see it wasn't Dominic because that promo was awful. <laughs> you know, I don't mind putting off Rhea and Bianca for another year and doing it at WrestleMania in Philly and making that a huge match. I think there's a big opportunity there. Um, this year, yeah, it's a little weird to go back to Charlotte and Rhea. Um, Asuka and Bianca is going to be a good match. It does feel a little awkward, but at the same time, I think both matches are going to be really good. I think this is Triple H being like, well, whatever happened a couple of years ago in the PC we got to rectify that. And so this is his way of just being like, I got to, I got to write the wrong here. And that's fine. That's, that's fine by me. They just have to tell a better story at the same time. I've said this a billion times. 
I don't think Rhea Ripley was the right person to challenge for a women's championship this year at WrestleMania because she hasn't been dominant in the women's division in a while. And if this is her reintroduction to give her a title match at WrestleMania, sure, go ahead. You can do it. But I just think that there was a better opportunity to do, you know, something different. Uh, like I said, Charlotte wins the chamber match and ends up getting, uh, what's her face? Ends up getting Bianca because Bianca hasn't beaten all the four horsewomen. And then Becky gets Ronda Rousey and we get that match too. Could have done that, or at least could have done Becky and God knows who else at the time. Regardless, there was, there was a better opportunity there. Um, but now they have to sell us a little bit more on the uh, Charlotte and Rhea side of things because Bianca and Asuka, I'm just kind of sitting there just being like, yeah, it's going to be a fun match. It's not going to be a top of the card match, but it's going to be real entertaining. And See, you feel like, about Rhea the way that I feel about Cody. And Rhea gave a um, run the table with injured ribs performance at Rumble and Cody came in at 30. So I feel like Cody is way less earned than Rhea from a from the perspective of you said the person coming out of Rumble with this thing gets a title match. But I do hear you. Rhea wasn't lighting up the women's division on the way. But if you were going to go off of that booking, like I don't think Cody Rhodes should technically be in this position because he wasn't even there for nine months. (laughs) but But he tore his peck and he showed us all the blood on his thing while he went into the match. So clearly... He's um, he, clearly he's the guy. He oh, okay. Yeah, he bled. He bled internally for this. Oh, because he beat Seth Rollins three times. Got yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that's all you got to do. You got to beat a former world champion a few times, and then you get the WrestleMania main event. That's how it works. To be honest, like I don't know if there's anybody in the women that women's division. Your booking made sense, but I feel like Charlotte beats Bianca, so I don't want that. Um, I, but that's the thing. I don't because I and I go back again to where this all started uh, at least coming up as like a manifestation was after war games after survivor series when both bianca and becky sat at the dais being asked what's next you know come wrestlemania and bianca was like i haven't beaten all four horsewomen at wrestlemania i still have one left you know or i still have a couple left whatever it was i number wise anyway she's oh no it wasn't even at wrestlemania <laughs> I think she was just saying, I, I, I whatever. I, because she'd be Bailey Post, right? Yeah, she'd be Bailey Post WrestleMania. But anyway, she was like, I, I haven't beat them all yet. And I think Charlotte versus Bianca would have been a huge match given the implication of like, I beat the rest of them. I'm the future. The future is now. And that would have been Charlotte. Charlotte, I'm sure, would have been fine with losing that match, quite honestly. At the way that she is right now in her career, I think she's closer to being okay with it than anyone thinks. Uh, and then the Becky side of things, yeah, she said, I want to be the first ever two-time women's Royal rumble winner. And then you could have told a story, Charlotte and Becky were the last two. And then Becky wins. Cause Charlotte also won the Royal rumble once. And therefore she could have done it. They could have built a feud out of that and they could have built a better story out of that, but they didn't. And again, I don't hate it because Oscar is someone is that awesome. hasn't been around much and she's great. And she deserves it. Uh, this version of her is so good. It's yeah. So good. It's great. Oh. It's, it's, it's a retelling of her of her and it's great and it's something that oh, needed to come out. Yeah. Uh basically the the four women that are that are having the title matches at WrestleMania work and make sense. Therefore I'm not upset about it. Sure. That makes sense. 
so like that's why I'm kind of like okay, I will let this play out. Which is like now, I, now we all make fun of that saying, but like let it, case, play let it play out because at least it's not it's not somebody on Twitter being like I'm not on hiatus, guys. I don't you know I I don't need I'm that. not on hiatus. I'm just not here for a consecutive period of weeks. That's right. Who, who needs to come to work? So that's kind of my feeling with the uh, with with the women's side of, of the WrestleMania card. Uh, let, we can shift over to AEW if you'd like, unless you got something else from WWE that really uh, got you this week. <laughs> and mustache. That's it. Just the mustache. Um, no, I think uh, I think we can move on. The only thing I'll say with Rhea that I like that they're doing is they knew she was hot and they're striking while the iron's hot. And that's something I think um, we're going to talk about AEW, but I feel like sometimes AEW misses. And I feel like Vince definitely missed. So seeing Triple H kind of realize like, She's super over in this faction. Let's move things forward. Even though she didn't have the wins to back it up, which I agree with, I do appreciate that they were like, let's take advantage of how over she is because she she really, really is. So good stuff there. Good stuff. Jeff Jarrett's about to become the first ever AEW international and champion. That's all the time we have for Miss Elizabeth and Joel God in the ring. Oh, man. What's uh? I don't know. Are, are you? Oh, we got a major announcement. <laughs> it's Shazam, and this title is not this title anymore. But it's kind of the, still this title. But we're, it's not Shazam. Major announcement. Back to you. I didn't even need it. I'm cold this time. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett has had five matches in Winnipeg. Do you know what Jeff Jarrett's record is in matches in Winnipeg? I'm going to guess 5-0, and oh, you son of a bitch. He's 4-1. 4-1, and one. Four and one. okay, that's better. Unfortunately, his only loss came at a WWF house show in 1999 against someone who is now absolutely batshit crazy and used to be a porn star WWF wrestler. Hello, bonkers. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually more disturbed that you bothered to do the research. Cagematch <laughs> is a wonderful tool when you know how to use it. He beat Bob Backlund in 94. He beat Razor Ramon in an Intercontinental Ladder match in 95. That makes me nauseous. <laughs> in 1998, he beat Steve Blackman. Uh, Val Venus beat him in, in 1999 for some reason. And then in 2000, he defeated Vampiro for the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. Let's not forget Vampiro, who was for some reason competing on the Canadian AAA trios team because he is technically Canadian as Vampiro, but there are so many wrestlers from Canada. Sorry, this is so good. So wait, is Bob Backlund a porn star? Yes, obviously. Shout um, out to uh, shout out to my buddy over there. <laughs> that is someone I, I do legitimately know. That's very funny. Good stuff. Oh, that makes it worse. I wish it somebody does. Just, it really does. Really thought that. Hello, no one. Anyway, <laughs> that dude has gone absolutely off his rocker. Not not my friend, the other guy who does the hello ladies thing. Uh, yeah. So the, the title's changing. It's leveling up, but it's not really leveling up at all. Uh, and now we're going to open up the conversation to is the international championship better than the world championship? I'm waiting for the intergalactic championship. That's that's what Chris Jericho is going to call it when he wins it. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, 
I think it's going to be a completely useless name change. I have no idea why it happened. It's, I feel like it's probably going to get used the same way. I think it's silly. The only thing that I could think of, which would actually be pretty cool, would be if they're going to do a Forbidden Door 2, which is a big if, it would be really cool if that was a title they felt comfortable dropping there to somebody in New Japan, and then they could defend it. Like, it being international, um, I think, opens the door for an actual loss of an AEW consequence to... At, if you're going to do Forbidden Door 2 to make that happen. I think that could be really, really fun. You definitely aren't having Jeff Jarrett win if that's the case. So maybe that's why I'm so in on the idea. But Orange Cassidy put on such a good match with Will Ospreay last year um, that to have him defending a title at the same event this year could be really, really fun. And he could lose it and it could mean something for the Forbidden Door aspect. I, I do. This you want to see is, Jeff Jarrett versus Okada or something? Yeah, well, this is why they did it because they feel like <laughs> Japan and Australia don't border the event. People spent, people spent, I shit you not, months talking about that point, and it's, yeah, that's a that's a poor a poor choice on the title maker. Oh Such god, a weird. It's weird. So funny. So, so the, I really want it to be Miro. Like, I, I, if I could do anything, it would be Orange Cassidy getting eaten and squashed by by Miro but that could be a really fun thing to do um would be to have him drop it at Forbidden Door by the way like I what you just or Jeff Jarrett versus Okada either one <laughs> but, so that that's that's the whole thing that I find amazing about this title is that when Pac won it, it he defended it on the indies and that's partially a visa thing, but it was also like, it should have been when we've talked about this already, it should have been a title that goes around and is an ambassador belt. Like it should have, it should have been your, your matches on fight and it's a big match and it's going to draw eyeballs, blah, blah, blah. We work with all these indies, but they're not doing it that way. And I would have loved that. That's why the international championship I hope is defended in the same vein. And that double J does that goes up, goes to Germany, goes to Denmark, Goes to wrestle in, in Australia, you know. I already hated you. Okay. This is just the adding a Brie Woo Brie Woo on top of it is just insulting. What if he drops it then to Effie in a GCW match? Then one, I could forgive Effie for reviving his career. And two, I would be happy about that. But I don't think that's what's gonna happen. Something tells me that's not what's gonna happen. Could happen. Somebody tell Effie. That's what they should book it as. I'm going to see him okay. next week. That's awesome. Effie rules. Yeah, I'll be in. Uh, I'll be in Toronto at the GCW show. Hopefully, uh, getting a few interviews and getting Matt Cardona to spend a good solid 15 minutes burying Sean Ross Sapp on camera. I think that'll be an easy thing to do. I'm not even going to ask him questions. I'm legit just going to be like, I work for Sean Ross Sapp. I'll just- say this for for Mr. Cardona, but we were on. The Jericho Cruz. He bad. mentioned winning um, Independent Wrestler of the Year a, a few times. He didn't say from Fightful, but it was just cool. It was cool that he like was that meant something to him. Like it, it was very obvious that that meant a lot to him because he and he and Chelsea both won Male and Female Independent Wrestler of the Year, which of course the Chelsea that lasted, I think, like what two months after <laughs> she got signed. Which is awesome for her. Um, but it, it was cool to see that. So um, 
more importantly though, because Sean is always like, do you want to bury someone? Just be like, do you want to bury Sean Rossap right now? And I'm sure he will. I went into that press scrum in Montreal and every time I was like, Hey, so-and-so I'm Joel from Fightful. And they'd look at me and be like, you? And I'd be like, yeah, no, I know. It's not Sean. He gave it to me this time. Feel free to bury him on camera. And they're like, oh, I will. <laughs> That's great. I love it. I think, uh, who does it? A few people are going to do it in, in the interviews that drop next week. I think Bronson Reed doesn't do it, but that interview is going to drop this week. And I forget what the other one is that drops this week. Either way, keep it locked. Fightful dot whatever it is. Com? Dot not, dot not That's CEO. Fightful.notoverbooked.tv. Fightful.tv. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, what do we think of uh, Ruby Soho's promo? The All You People promo that actually wasn't so bad for an All You People promo. Yeah, it was, you know, it was really good. I loved her energy in it. I loved, um, there was a lot of really good justification that went on there. My only, and it's so minor in the grand scheme of things, but my only thing was like, when she talked about the match versus Chris with the Owen, I was like, no, everybody, like, or I'm, I'm sorry, when she lost to Britt in the Owen, I was like, everybody wanted Ruby Soho to win that. I, the only thing I would have done would have been swap out that for talking about the backlash that she got out of the death match. Would have said, like, I was bleeding like a stuck pig and you guys don't even care kind of thing. Like, I think that would have been just a little bit stronger, but that's such a minor thing. Love seeing Ruby Soho in a prominent position here, really, really liked the justification. And you're right. We don't get a lot of these promos that are executed super well. Um, and uh, it was, it was really refreshing and something I think not only Ruby Soho needed, but like the bad girls of this angle kind of needed. And I'm very intrigued to see where it goes, especially with Jade Cargill being kind of lost in the shuffle right now. I wonder if there'll be some vying for Jade. The Jade thing is so interesting to me. There was that report on on Select today, five bucks, fiveselect.com. Um, at this point, we can probably talk about it because it's been more than 15 minutes since it's <laughs> Do you have the screenshot? You want to pull the screenshot up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because when you screenshot these particular reports, it's fine. Sean's like, that's cool. But when you have like the rundowns for the TV show, that's when it's a problem. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, everything else is just whatever. Um, so so we'll run down the list. We don't have to read the verbatim stuff from Select, but um, Lufisto was on the list. I I was a big proponent of Lufisto being the opponent in Winnipeg for sure. uh, for Jade. Uh, doesn't seem likely for a few reasons. She had a great match against Sawyer Wreck, by the way, last night in Montreal for that. She clips circulating. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I love her. Good for her. She's she's also facing uh, Rina Yamashita in Toronto next week. Is Whoa. that's going to be a banger of a match? Like they're Canadian scenes on fire right now. Yeah, you know, some good stuff happening up there. I don't think people understand that Canada really, as far apart as we are in terms of physical geography, we do have a lot of really great performers and a lot of really great uh, companies out here. Shout out! Sure, to- you got Joby <laughs> Threat and. <laughs> that was just a rib on you. <laughs> yeah. Red Heart, right? He was yeah, from Brent. there. Yeah, yeah, he's good. We have Bupinder <laughs> Gujar. He's good. Don Callis. Yeah, yeah, he's he's okay. So anyway, speaking of Jody Threat, <laughs> Jody Threat's a possibility, but she's 
she's Ontario based. I don't know if they want to. I don't know if they're thinking like Canada. Isn't that ten minutes from you? Yeah, actually, <laughs> might be. Uh, so there's that. She she does work Winnipeg. That's true. Does Jody threat? I don't think it's going to be Jody. Ty Valkyrie is a big name. Um, a lot of people talking about being Ty Valkyrie, and then the news dropped that she's done with Impact, wrapping up, wrapping up, and who knows what that could be. Um, Rosemary is probably not going to be it, even though she is a Winnipegger. Yes, that's right. Pegger, Winnipegger <laughs> is a, a name for someone from Winnipeg. Uh, probably not her because Impact kind of does the thing. Um, Bunny it's is tricky out. with Impact talents because you don't know who's contracted and who's not. So it's always like a little, I'm not sure. It's If they're frequently on the program, they're probably not coming. Right. Like, that makes yeah, that makes or if sense. they're like, or if they're lifers, they're probably not coming. Like no one's being like, oh, Edward Edwards is gonna be on rampage. It's like, no, because <laughs> Eddie Edwards signed like a 20-year deal with impact because no one else other than maybe pro wrestling Noah is gonna sign up for another gig. <laughs> anyway, uh Bunny's on the injured reserve. She got injured in that match a while ago versus Jamie Hayter. And then Nicole Matthews is one that just popped up today where she was yes. like, oh, I can do US bookings now. Is she, does she does she live out of a van? Is she doing the van life gimmick now? Did you see that photo? I did see that photo. I'm not sure, but I I think it's awesome that she's back. She does some really great work. Um, and it was funny because somebody had tweeted like, let's get her some U.S. bookings. And she tweeted immediately after like, <laughs> I can take U.S. bookings. I was like, oh, that's so rad. That's um, I think it could be, I, my guess is Taya Valkyrie. The news of her... Um, impact contract wrapping up coinciding with this feels like the the iron is worth striking. Um, and that ROH women's division, there's a lot of really great free agents out there on the women's side. Wouldn't hurt to bring in Taya Valkyrie to, to that side of things. Doesn't hurt to ever have a couple of names to anchor it down outside of Athena and Willow. Um, and Willow's so integrated in AEW, I don't know if she dethrones Athena anymore. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see um, what I, I personally would love it to be Jody because I feel like someone as imposing as Jody versus someone with Jade is like something that could be really fun from a ring perspective. I don't know if it feels like a big enough deal for um, kind of the way that they're positioning it. No offense to Jody, but I think they're thinking more like marquee name. Um what do you think? And do you want to break the paywall? I mean, I kind of, I kind of just did. I mentioned a little those bit, yeah. Um, that's fine. You can, <laughs> the, you can get the full stuff over at Five Select. Um, but yeah, I said the first, the first comment I see is I thought Nicole was banned from the U.S. and someone's like, it just ended. So she had the speedball gimmick. Um, so I have a feeling that as great as these lists are and as much as especially as a canadian i'm just like oh it could be this person or this person this person they might just like bring out some random scrawny nobody name pretend that she is like god's gift to canadian indies and jade beats the shit out of her and gets heel heat on it because like i have to be honest this isn't I don't think anyone on this list is going to get the crowd as excited as other names might. Like Trish Stratus, you know, it would be. You don't think it's going to be Trish? I, I, I have a feeling, a 
uh, just a little teensy feeling that it's oh, not she's, isn't she still doing something with wwe yeah she's got she's got okay. a little something going it'll be trish in a wig it'll be trish in a heel <laughs> in a brown wig again um but that's the thing you are enough for me <laughs> everyone gets that team. i swear to god everybody who's a heel in wwf gets that team um that being said you could do the bait and switch where it turns out to be you know J jade crushes some smaller, super tiny woman and says, God, Canada sucks. Screw you. And then Taya comes out and maybe that's the debut. And, and that way they kind of get a little bit of time to run down Taya's achievements and build her a little bit more instead of just having her come out and inevitably lose to Jade. That's my biggest concern is you bring in somebody new to the roster and that's it. They lose to Jade Cargill. Jade, who's like not super hot lately. And you're bringing in someone new. That's where my like main concern is. So I feel like a bait and switch is the best way to go about doing this. If you have a legitimate challenger in mind for like three, four weeks from now. I do think the issue with Jade is if it, she comes out and it's someone that's a squash, it's just like, again, um, I think I haven't feel that way for a while. I think a lot more people are getting to when she got through 50 and oh, I think a lot of people thought she was going to drop at 50 and people are like, okay, what are we doing? She's gone through all the baddies already. Um, I mean, this is the same company that brought Juventud Guerrero back. It's very possible. There's someone we're not, like, thinking of. God but bless <laughs> God bless Hoovy. But um, I think Taya would be fun because even if it's a loss, it also could just be a one-off, right? Like, it needs to be a full match that feels like something. But we'll see. I mean, Jody would be really fun from a ring perspective. And Athena is your ROH champion. So if she lost to Jade, but people got to see who she was, then you could run back. You could run back Jody and Athena on ROH. And that was kind of what sparked this whole heel turn, right? So um, that could be a whole bunch of fun. But we'll see. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting concerned like that the, the Jade well is running dry. And I feel like they want to push this till Chris comes back. And I think Chris isn't coming back until like, summer so yeah and that's the other thing i don't really i'm i i don't want to sit here waiting for chris statlander yeah that's a little tough i also threw out uh bret hart and celine dion well celine ain't going to be doing any physical activity anytime soon do you know the celine situation what i like remember that i read about it but i can't remember what i read she, she affected sorry i'm not trying to laugh she effectively has bonitis Oh yeah. Yikes. Yeah. And so she can't tour anymore. She like, she's like, she's in this, it's, it's a weird degenerative disease where like her body can lock up at random points and it can be oh. for hours or it could be for like, it sounds terrifying, but um, like her, her Vegas residency is done. Her touring is done. Like she's before so Christmas. She released like a very heart wrenching video where she was like a bit scared and obviously very upset. Um, but that's what's going on with her. I'm looking at other wrestlers from Canada, and like, I wasn't done with my non-wrestlers. Oh my, my bad. Some bare naked ladies. Oh yeah, they're great. I do like them. Which member would you pick? Um, I mean, all of them. I feel like Jade should go through the whole stable, but I think Ed is the only one that's left on the lead singer side. I think Steve left, so I'm going with Ed. Steve, Steve got kicked out. Uh, now all four of them sing, but it's him and uh, and. Oh my God! What's the, the the guy who also plays like the accordion and the the multi instrumentalist in the group who's got the curly hair? His name I can never remember. 
It's not Peter, is it? What is no, it? it's not Peter. Oh my god, this is gonna kill me. I have to look it up now. I've seen this is a shoot. I love the Barry Good Ladies. Kevin Hearn. Kevin Hearn, I'm thinking. Kevin Hearn! Oh, how dare I forget? Yeah, it's Kevin. It's Kevin. Yeah, I, I would bring back Stephen Page, by the way. He uh, he's he's doing well. Stephen Page's great. He's great. Yeah, he's. He just had some drug issues, right? Yeah, like everyone in a band. He's over them, and now he uh, he seems to be doing pretty good. He he did. If you go on YouTube after the show, after not now, but after the show, he did like a whole like playthrough of the Gordon album during the pandemic. So, oh, that's awesome! Yeah, you can go and watch that. He's, I, I he's, that. he's really good. They're he's, a really good band. They always struck me as like frustrated jazz musicians that are like, <laughs> "We're gonna." <laughs> I saw them when I was. They roll live. I've seen them live multiple times. Have you seen them live? Mul- I've only seen them live once, and it was in Ottawa. It was at the 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 arena there. It was on the Maroon tour. So this was like two thousand and one. Great album. It was a great album. It was maybe like thirteen or fourteen, and I'll never forget it. That was a great great album. But uh, yeah, four times I saw Bare Naked Ladies. Four times. I really like them. Twice at Radio City. R- really? Hmm. I would actually love to. I do love great venue for them. Great venue for them. Once in high school, they were probably like my third concert ever. Wow. And once in Jersey, I think at the, there's a really terrible sounding, but fun venue (laughs) called the PNC art center. Um, (laughs) That the sound is terrible, but they, the um, atmosphere is awesome. Um, I saw them that summer and John Mayer that summer at that venue. Good stuff. John Mayer. Unbelievable live. Unbelievable is, yeah. guitarist. Better when he can't talk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a guitarist, though. Nine men get in the ring in Winnipeg and only three walk out with titles. What are we doing here? JAS versus Hassel Black versus the Elite. I'm excited for this because it's going to be absolutely batshit bonkers, but like. What are we doing? What, what's the point of this? Uh, to have an absolutely batching bonkers uh, Dreams match. I don't know why you need more than that, but Hasselback is going to retain. We'll probably set up some fun stuff between Kenny and Jericho on the way, would be my guess. Um, and I'm wondering if this MJF feud or like the next thing that's happening. Some people have said based on promos and I like it like Darby Allen's promo, jungle boys promo that maybe we're heading toward a four pillars, um, four pack title match, which I think would be very, very fun. I think John Moxley works at the company and he's probably like, look when the entire shield was there, they had like eight opportunities to do this and they never did. You should do it now with all of these young talents while they're healthy at the same time and contracted at the same time. So that also, if you're going to do kind of some more Jericho and Omega stuff, which I don't think is a bad idea, especially when ratings have been a little bit lower than they would like, that's a huge ratings pop. Um, that gives Sammy some some room after he moves on from Action Andretti here, I think, uh, to to go and, and complete that story, which I think could be very fun. So I see. wish, I wish that the Elite had one woman that accompanied them to ringside so that you could do a spot with Julia Hart, with Anna Jay and with blank elite woman. But you don't, you got to take Hati over there too. Why is it? 
Maybe not Anna's much injured. Is that Anna injured right now? Anna is injured. And Ty, so we don't know how longer, how much longer Tay's around. So who knows? Fair. But the Fair. elite, the elite would need somebody there. They they got Don Callis. An elite, elite lady. An elite lady. <laughs> we'll call her Lady Elite. Lady Elite. I'm in. Sounds awful. Uh, <laughs> I'm wondering if they're going to break the JAS up truly. Oh, that's. I don't think they will. It's been over a year. Action Andretti's getting at all of them. Daniel Garcia could just go out and be on his own. Maybe Who's Action could join. Eh, if he was going to do that, I think it happens again with the, the Ricky story. Yeah, it's fair. Um, what happened with Ricky? He got taken out by Juice Robinson. I'm fine with yeah, this. Yeah, I love this. I don't know why anyone's upset by this. I think because they put the Bullet Club graphic up. And so everybody thought it was going to be Jay White, but I love Juice. Switch play, switch play. Oh. Uh, uh. Oh. But Juice Robinson rules. I'm not mad about that. Um, and Bullet Club is so all-encompassing, it could mean a lot of things, including Jay White and not including Jay White. So that could be very fun. Also, uh, Jay White got kicked out of Bullet Club, so <laughs> there's that. What'd you say? Jay White got kicked out of Bullet Club, so there. Right, right. I would have, actually. So there's the other Aren't thing. Are you Bullet Club for life, though? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of. But um, so David Finley is basically the leader of Bullet Club now, and people may oh, not. Oh, Finn Juice. That Finn Juice is a thing. Yeah. Oh, that could and be fun. I would absolutely bring David Finley over once the Juice Robinson stuff plays out, and have a Finn Juice reunion, and then Action Andretti and Ricky Starks versus Finn Juice. You can do a little bit of uh, Andretti and Starks versus the bullet club story and who knows where that goes, but uh, it's a way to also start the potential forbidden door build. If they're going to be doing that show. That was what went through my head when the bullet club graphic went up. I was like, Oh, forbidden door. And then I was like, Oh, everyone's going to think it's Jay white, but he got kicked out. <laughs> kicked to the curb, like a Friday night date. Jason <sighs> Ricky will be awesome though. I feel like from a, a ring standpoint could be very fun. So no complaints from me. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Dark Order versus Combat Club, Black Bull Combat Club. They cemented that they're heels now, which is great. Black Bull yes. Combat Club. And they're bringing back Stu next week for the Canadian show. So very excited to see Hangman and Uno and Grayson versus the Black Bull Combat Club, who are now fully ass heels. Uh, good stuff. I, I like this. Oh, I, I'm not sure I loved the are you done with Mox thing? And Hangman being like, oh yeah, we're done. And then him having to go out and be like, no, no, we're not done yet. <laughs> that part I, get, I get that. I did like that there was an impetus too. Because like in his head, he was done until something happened to his friends. So I, I kind of felt the same way, but I'm like, at least it was, there was a reason to. It wasn't just like John Moxley was like, well, I'm not done with you or any BS. Um, so I do appreciate that about it. I just want them to bring Stu Grayson back. I thought before ROH was even back up and running, Stu Grayson would be a phenomenal fit for ROH. Like Stu Grayson versus Josh Woods. Are you kidding me? I feel like him and that brand would be so much fun. I, I love Stu Grayson. I think he's a phenomenal worker. And he sent me one of the best cameos I've ever gotten in my whole life. So <laughs> he's got support from me. Uh. Evil Uno, by the way, is going to be at Greek Town Wrestling in Toronto next weekend. And you bet your sweet ass we'll be talking about this story 
and Stu coming back to uh, to Winnipeg and AEW and the Toronto shows. I'm very curious about uh, Uno working with his pal when his pal is like off doing other things and like how that feels because they were attached to the hip for so long, not only in AEW, but before that when they were a tag team on the indies. There's really cool stuff that could happen there. So I'm excited to talk to him about that. Evil uh, Uno is getting interviewed by Joel Pearl. Should be a tweet that we see from him. <laughs> I'm going to talk to him about that. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, before we get to the Wardlow Hobbs stuff, I want to talk about the MJF rebar mitzvah. This must mean a lot more to you than it does to me. It does. Uh, mainly because, well, first of all, people probably don't know this unless you're Jewish in like Jewish tradition. So the bar mitzvah is something that happens at 13, but you technically have your second bar mitzvah when you turn 83 because you've lived whatever the full cycle is. And so you celebrate whatever all over again, search it up on the internet. I swear to God, it's a thing anyway. So when he said, it's my second bar mitzvah, my rebar mitzvah, I was just like, wait a minute. Are you 83? (laughs) Didn't he just have his birthday this weekend too, I think? He did. Was this his 83rd birthday? Happy 83rd birthday to MJF. Looks great for his age. He looks, the way, my God, to be 83 and doing a one hour plus Iron Man match. God love him. Action Mike Jackson could never. (laughs) He's 74. So there you go. Uh, so Max is doing the rebar mitzvah. I'm, I'm interested because, yeah, listen, I'm a Jew and this is hilarious to me. But I'm also kind of curious as to how much they want to lean into it. And then the third thing is, you know how <laughs> pickles are the secret, by the way. That's how you keep, that's how you stay young. <laughs> uh, can't confirm, by the way. So I'm very curious. Now that they've played the diamond ring, the title shot, the basically all the ways that, that Max can cheat – Rebar is the next thing he's going to use now that he's going to have his rebar <laughs> mitzvah. <laughs> I think that's where we're going with this whole thing, Kate. Uh, um, sincerely, I think it's kind of cool that, like, we've had Jewish champions and um, Jewish wrestlers before, but we haven't had anybody kind of like lean in their faith on uh, in an on-screen way in a way that kind of wasn't mocking it that I can remember. Like, this is something that he's doing. This isn't, like, Scotty Goldman getting made fun of, right? Like, I think that's kind of cool. Like, (laughs) we don't see that really in wrestling a ton, but I think this is going to be so much fun. Um, It was pretty cool to see, like, the pictures from his first one where it was, like, Max versus Chris Jericho. Like, things that have happened, I think that's actually pretty cool. So... Um, that's awesome from where I'm sitting. I'm obviously a white, um, <laughs> very much agnostic girl. <laughs> former Catholic. Um, but I, I think, I do think that's pretty cool. And that like, it's, I'm sure it'll be silly in so many ways, but it's, he's in control of it is, is a pretty special thing, I think. Um, and just intrigued to see what comes out of it. If they are setting up a four corners match here, it would be very fun to, to have that happen here. And I just, um, you know, you, you keep learning. I had no idea MJF was 83 or that that's when Reba Mitzvahs happened. So kudos. I, um, I had a, a conversation. It's a, a podcast with um, Rabbi Jeremy Fine, who is also the owner of Second Wrestling. They're based out of, out of the Midwest. I think they're Chicago, actually. But they're doing, if you're going to be in LA for WrestleMania weekend, 
they're doing a show called Mitzvah Mania 2. I think I saw the graphic for this. They have a bunch of Jewish wrestlers coming in, including, and I'm sure people didn't know this, Chris Adonis. Chris yeah. Masters, he's Jewish. Mm-hmm. Marshall, my new favorite hero of the world after Friday night and Wednesday and Wednesday, but mostly Friday um, because of the promo that he cut. Um, he, he is, he's a hero. Uh, who, who else is part of this thing? Like literally everyone you can think of, they, they've got um, Lisa Marie Veron, Tara and, and Victoria. She, she's going to be there. Um, obviously Cole Cabana is, is very much, another Jew who's been featured on wrestling television and the Indies forever. He'll be there. Uh, and Billy Starks is the second wrestling champion. So she's not Jewish, but she is the champion of second wrestling. So she'll be putting out the title against Brooke Havoc. So, she is that night. <laughs> she will be that night. <laughs> Billy Starksela. Anyway. <laughs> and, and so anyway, um, so, so uh, Jeremy and I did a little bit of a podcast talking about um, Jewish wrestlers. And we did talk a pretty extensively about MJF and why he's different in the, the Jewish space of being a Jewish wrestler, because he, it's hard for me to want to boo Max because of the way he speaks about his Jewish experience and because of the way he defends his Judaism and the way that he, the way that he lives a Jewish life. And, and again, like, what does that mean? That means it's a whole other, that's a, whole other podcast on a whole other channel that has multiple different conversations going at once. But the point really being that he is, he's proud of his heritage. He's proud of who he is and he doesn't change that. He doesn't take away from that. Um, on the other hand, MJ has a piece of shit. So, right, I, of course. you know, you separate the character from the human and it's different, but when the yeah. character and the human kind of intersected different times and he talks about being, you know, the ADHD riddled Jewish boy, you're just like, mm, damn it. I can't do this. Like I can't, I don't know what to do. And it's, it's really great stuff. Um, but we, we talk about Barry Horowitz and Bill Goldberg and Cole Cabana and so on and so forth. When it comes out, I'm going to promote the shit out of it. But for now, uh, just letting you guys know that I did do that. And it was a really good conversation that I had. And if you're in LA, go to Mitzvah Mania because I, I can't be there, but uh, I would love to see what happens there. QT Marshall helps powerhouse Hobbs win the TNT title. From Wardlow on Wednesday night. King of Charisma, QT Marshall. The King. And it's it's King with a capital Q. Of course it is. Yes. What do you think of this whole thing? Very a lot of people have a lot of feelings, and I want to hear yours. I'm somewhere in the middle. Um I feel like they've been building powerhouse up to be so dominant and so imposing that for him to need help to win isn't a great idea. I am in on the overall idea of Will Hobbs being champion and QT Marshall being uh, a mouthpiece. I think silliness aside, I think QT Marshall is one of the best wrestlers in the world at eliciting crowd reactions. I've talked about this with Ryan at Mark Order Pod uh, a few times, and bef- that was before any of the silliness <laughs> this weekend happened or before this angle kicked off on, on Wednesday. Is he just is really good about getting the crowd reaction that you want. Um, And because he is a wrestler and has been a wrestler, I feel like there's just like a little bit more validity to it. And I also like that they tie this back to something I didn't even remember, but I always appreciate when things like this are rooted in something that him and Hobbs had this exchange beforehand. 
So I like the pairing and the idea. It does feel like if I could book it from the beginning, Stokely Hathaway could do, I've been saying like Gary Hart levels of work with Will Hobbs. I really think like a Stokely Hathaway could make Hobbs out to be the absolute monster that they're showing us he is. Having Stokely Hathaway tell you that he is, I think could have been a really fun move. Um, But I'm not against it being QT at all. I'm not against QT being on my TV in this role at all. I, I think it could be really, really fun. I just don't know if not every heel needs to cheat to win in this fashion and to do show, so for the title kind of wasn't for me. I This is how I felt about Swerve is like Swerve to me has always been like, I'm so cocky and I back it up. I'm so cocky and I back it up. I'm like, he doesn't need guys around to like help him is just how, how I have interpreted his character of like um he doesn't need to do chicken shit stuff he's super confident in who he is swerve confident if you would Hobbs I feel like is so imposing he shouldn't need someone to help him win matches but I like the idea of him having a mouthpiece and I like the idea of it being QT one thing that I hope they don't do in this story is have powerhouse Hobbs effectively tell QT okay we're good and that's it and QT is like okay, we're good. Bye-bye. I want these two to be working together. I want them. I don't want them necessarily to be attached at the hip because like you said, powerhouse Hobbs is his own dude and he could beat the living daylights out of anybody. That should be, and he shouldn't need QT Marshall to like stand next to him and look imposing because the imposing guy is the one who won the championship. That being said, I I like that they did this. I don't, like I I I thought it was pretty well done. Um, I do like that they went and did the callback. I don't love that the callback had to be done by somebody bringing it to our someone from outside of AEW bringing it to our attention. I think that's something that frequently bugs me about AEW storytelling is that some super fan has to you know bring up oh this happened da, 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 da. here's the clip and it's like. I'm not following random person X on Twitter. Right. To figure it out. But at the same time, I don't want, I don't need you to hit me over the head with it, but I need you to at least reference it or at least tie things up a little bit better. When it's that deep in the well, you it's AEW's responsibility when it's something that everybody has seen before or whatever. Um, it is kind of cool that it can happen organically, but that was like so long ago. And so out of our peripheral view, that for it to not be brought back on by AEW does feel like kind of silly. And again, to go back when we were talking about like the Roman Reigns stuff and the Jimmy and Jay stuff, like, yeah, what did I reference? Something that happened several years ago now. They're not bringing it up in storyline, but it's part of the general story. It's not a super important beat, but this is in terms of how QT and Powerhouse Hobbs came together. There's a history there. Right. And now they need to, and and now they have to bring that back around, and that's kind of where the appeal gets lost on me sometimes. It was very fun watching you do this. There's just, a lot of hand talking. Jew, I gesticulate. <laughs> oh God! As you knock over stuff, that's why you don't. It was an empty glass, thankfully. <laughs> Lisa was empty. There was a loud crash earlier, and I'm like, I hope everyone's okay. It's just the dog, just being a maniac. Oh no, this was in my place. I had the mute. Oh. But uh yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at is there's opportunity here. 
with Hobbs and QT. I'm excited to see what they do next. I think uh, they've started explaining why. Uh, now it's going to be up to them to make the partnership something that's beneficial and worthwhile for the viewer. Because if it's just going to be QT stands next to Powerhouse and looks badass, but really the badass is the guy who didn't need QT's help in the first place, it's a little back-ass words to me. Agree. Let, let QT be the strategist for Hog. Yeah, I think I think strategist is the perfect way to put it. You should be making matches, being super clever about it. Um, unless the move is going to be Hob saying, I never needed your help, and that's how we get a Wardlow rematch, which I wouldn't hate. Um, that could be a St. Patrick's Day Slam rematch or whatever. But I'm intrigued to see where things go for Wardlow now. Do you think that the Wardlow car breaking into situation was a work or that they just played really well into it, given the way the match played out and how they're starting to tell the story more? Even Samoa Joe got into it on Twitter. He was just like, does anyone know how to get glass out of a balaclava? Just asking for a friend. Stuff like that was funny. But like. <laughs> tweets like every six months and was yeah. like i'm gonna log on for this one killed me yeah. i thought it was a shoot that got turned into work but i don't think we've seen a police report yet which is usually the indicator that tells you kind of one way or the other yeah and that's that's kind of i'm okay with it like i don't mind uh i'm genuinely curious about the the whereabouts of the tnt title and the gear uh and who knows i'm just fine with it the way it is um last thing before we head off I guess maybe we'll see. ROH rules. Uh, no, I actually want to go back to Tuesday nights on NXT, and I want to uh, I want to talk to you about the Roxanne Perez stuff. Ah, uh, okay. I thought this was really well done, and I think going uh, everything we just talked about the rain stuff, the QT and Hob stuff, basically giving back to the audience when they pay attention. Um, I think they did a lot of that with this Roxanne Perez match and what happened at the end with her passing out and being taken out in the, you know, in the, with the EMTs and everything. what do you think of the match with Mako Satamora? And uh, what do you think of the, the, the whole afterwards, the post-match shenanigans? So I thought that match was awesome. Um, I loved Mako Satamora, like her scorpion kick that she laid in on Roxanne was so vicious. I felt like the in-ring storytelling, which this is probably too rare for my liking in NXT, was the in-ring storytelling matched the story that we were being told extremely well um, and played out in the ring. I am mixed on the post-match because I feel like while the story called for it and it was really well executed... It's very weird that Shawn Michaels booked two tribute spots to himself within like a month. That's just so odd to me. Uh, we just hit the barbershop window and now this is Shawn Michaels, I think 95, either 95 or 93. Um, but this one I felt like was more productive, partly just because I like where it was going better. Like, I don't think they should have split up Gigi and JJ. Both women's tag divisions in WWE are <laughs> to have like hardly any teams in them. Though I gotta say, Gigi's promo was awesome. Her face promo as her first like singles promo face was really, really good. Um, 
but this one I felt like was really, really well done. It felt like everybody in the performance center really bit. I knew it wasn't real because of two things. One, Booker T medic was not a thing. <laughs> like Booker T got up from the commentary desk to be like, I got to go check on my girl. Um, are, you, are you trying to tell me that GI bro wasn't an army medic? Is that <laughs> what you're trying to tell me right now? I'm just saying, I don't know is all, but it seemed pretty. Sus. And then the cameras, of course, following the whole thing backstage is, is your best indicator of anything. Uh, but I, I felt like the match was fantastic. I like that the story continued because the whole story was like, can she handle keeping up with the final boss a little bit? And we got a lot of that, a rare situation where I feel like the roll up pin was great. Like she snuck a win. It was like a last grasp at trying to get one. It was a really well done roll up. Um, like her weight was properly applied. Really, really, really strong main event there. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of weird to book two of your own career spots and to do so within like three weeks of each other was so bizarre. Exclusively with women, no less. Yeah, exactly. And in some ways, to be honest, like that's cool because women haven't had opportunities to do stuff like that before. But when it's his own spots within the same division within a month of each other, and such recognizable ones. It's not like, oh, he really sold the turnbuckle like Bret Hart there. Like these are two completely off the off the charts moments in John Michaels' career. But this one I felt like served the story extremely well. Yeah. And again, they rewarded the viewer because not only did they show those vignettes from weeks ago of Mako putting Roxanne through the ringer and training at the PC, but also, you know, they hinted at it in the backstage promo before the match where Roxanne's like a bundle of nerves and she's like, I've never trained harder for this. The adrenaline is pumping, blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the story, yeah, it's in her soul, in her soul. Roxanne Perez has got the gold. So (laughs) she retains and then it all catches up with her. She went too hard. She passed out. She'll probably be back on Tuesday. They'll probably be like, yeah, she was dehydrated. She went too hard. So she's back now. And then you got Tiffany Stratton who's going to be like, this obnoxious woman who's going to say, you couldn't keep up. Yeah, you won, but you barely won. So it's stand and deliver. It'll be a cakewalk. I'm going to beat you. One, two, three. I'll be the new NXT Women's Champion. And then Roxanne Perez will probably beat the brakes off of Tiff Stratton. It'll be a good match. But the idea being that Tiffany doesn't win the NXT Women's Championship and probably shows up on Raw or SmackDown the following week. That's where I've got it. I don't know if you have something else in mind. The only reason I think they wouldn't do that would be if they want Tiffany Stratton to beat her for the title. Like, I I think it's very possible that when Tiffany challenges, she wins. I don't know how long they keep Roxanne here because she is just fantastic. I think she's got a little bit of work to do on the promo side of things. But like, as far as an in-ring competitor, the fact that she's this good at this young is, is really, really impressive. It's a testament to her work ethic. Um, There was a cool moment between the fake ending and by the way, Mako selling that she really thought that she'd push Roxanne beyond her limit was like the only moment where I was like, oh, is this real? Um, but uh, she, there was a, a moment that looked very sincere where Roxanne was like, I think, realized she just had one of the best matches of her career, which was really, really cool to see Roxanne have like this very sincere, I think, like, holy crap, respect moment. And then to be able to turn on the switch like that was really, really cool. So um but yeah, I don't know who's next for Roxanne just because I think if it is Tiffany, I think they want Tiffany to go over when they beat her. I think you might have to build Tiffany up for a few more months outside of that picture first. 
I don't the the really reason I don't think so is because she's come so far so fast that they might be like, go, go sink or swim. Let's find out how good you've become because you've, you've put a lot into this um, physically and emotionally and mentally. Like you, she's done a lot of work to become a quote unquote WWE superstar. Roxanne's 21 years old. She, she can rent a car, but she's got to pay extra. <laughs> she could be a tent pole member of that NXT roster. The ones we, we, we talk about the tent pole members all the time. She is one that can stick around for at least another two years and continue to have so much but behind her, hopefully without the burnout, because it, again, she's at the PC and yada, yada, there's only so much you can do. But if you need your stars, she's homegrown, homegrown, quote unquote. And it's homegrown and someone gets on American. Yeah, yeah. yeah, to come in at 20 years old out of a company, you know, where she was their women's champion, their inaugural women's champion and had a great short run and then was given the NXT women's championship in less than a year. Uh, they have high hopes for her. And I think that a lot of the time when it comes to NXT, some people have the idea that like, you got to be a champion and that's the only way you go to the main. And that's the only way that you find success when there are plenty of NXT wrestlers who have gone over to main roster, having never won an NXT championship and like some did better than others. Yeah, I get that. But you don't need the title to be treated like a star where you go next. No, I think the only reason people kind of pause at that is because we just haven't seen anybody get called up. Even people we think were ready kind of outside of LA night, like Cameron Grimes, where, where to go? Um, Roddy strong. I guess we're not supposed to ask about it. Where to go? Wendy Chu, for example, is someone that I don't think needs a title run, but she hasn't gotten called up. So I think it's more about, it feels like there's been people that are cooked and ready to go up. Indy Hartwell, maybe the best example where it's like, what aren't you doing on the main roster is a little interesting. Um, but I, I could definitely see that trajectory happening. The only reason I pause at it is just because like we haven't yet. <laughs> we haven't seen anybody since the rainbow era really get pulled up. So, And that's, that's the thing there. You haven't seen anyone get pulled up. I think they've been really waiting to see who who's going to who's going to swim, who's going to sink now and who from 2.0 was actually worth the investment. I will say in agreement with you Tiffany Stratton is probably the most improved wrestler male or female from the NXT 2.0 era from where she started to where she is now. She's in, in every facet. She's made a character I don't even like work extremely well in ring. I can't say enough about not only her moveset and execution of it, but her grasp of in-ring storytelling with it has been some of the fastest improvement I've seen. I think her and Julius Creed are your, how long can I realistically keep them in NXT until they're undeniably need to be called up kind of people. And Julius is an interesting one just because he's in a tag team, but he's like, kind of and, and no offense to Brutus he's great and they're a great tag team but like Julius Creed could be like your next guy guy um and a really really special 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 kid that's gonna be your next door segment oh no <laughs> kicking Brutus through the door Julius debuts on the main roster with an Iron Man match and then a suck at oxygen I love it let's do it <laughs> three weeks after now you book the tribute spots with the same guy three weeks apart is the next challenge. 
Julius grows his hair out to the little Dutch boy look and wears brown tights, wins the elimination chamber. Oh, at no! The, <laughs> the boyhood dream has come true. I think that's it for us. This was this was a fun episode. We uh, it was. Let's go. Let's go watch the Oscars and watch Roman Reigns win the Oscar. Oh my gosh! Cinema. Cinema. Kate, do the things. Oh my goodness! What? What? I'm just doing a lot of stuff. On Mondays, fight plus select. Talk about Raw. On Tuesdays, talk about NXT on the main channel. Getting sour, getting silly over there. Wednesdays at the Mark Order podcast. Thursdays doing the ROH review, and I'm so excited about it. We now hand it off to Joel, and I'm hoping Krista returns this week, but doing those on the same stream was a really, really fun thing because we got to hand it right off, and we had two women's main events, which was ruled. Um, and then Friday's doing the AEW Rampage and Sour Graphs post-show on Fightful Main. So many things. Yeah, if you don't like me, Fightful's going to be a tough place for you to hang out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I, that's why I don't watch any of the post-shows anymore. I get it. Yeah, like Mondays, I'm just like, oh, God, Sean. Wednesdays, I'm like, oh, God, Sean. Fridays, I'm like, oh, God, Kate. Yeah. Tuesdays, I'm like, wait, there's an NXT post show? <laughs> You're like, whenever I go into Fightful, people are singing. What are Who's this shit? <laughs> and then Thursdays, I'm like, oh, I got to watch Impact. <laughs> I don't know. If <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, April's going to be weird. Anyway, I'm at Joel Pearl, J-O-E-L-P-E-A-R-L. I... I'm here all the time on Overbooked. I'm the weekend drive guy. That's what really what I do. <laughs> so, uh, maybe you're listening to us now. Maybe you're listening to us on Monday. Maybe you're listening to us in like June 30th, 2048. Just going back and be like, how wrong were they about Tiffany Stratton? I remember in my day, Kate right. and Joel were hyping up that Tiffany Stratton young lady. And now she's president of the United States. My God. And now she got there. She had a Tiffany epiphany. Ladies Hell Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, friends, we have the binary. We'll see you in the next one. Cheers.